This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. How much crossover in authentication practices and vendors should financial institutions rely upon? As they look at the FFIEC guidance when it comes to securing online transactions for retail versus commercial accounts, there are many questions that financial institutions need to answer. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach, as Christopher Beyer, a financial services and online information security consultant, explains. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Christopher, thanks for joining me this morning. Well, thank you for having me. Now, corporate account takeovers have, of course, been the catalyst for change in the commercial account realm. But what about retail accounts? Well, there's certainly uh, a difference between commercial accounts and retail accounts. Commercial accounts tend to be, you know, have more money. They have they have a larger transaction frequency as well. They tend to uh, lack some of the protections. In fact, small businesses are considered at equal with the bank when it comes to who is responsible for uh, their online security. What's the same about these types of accounts, however, is the sophistication of the user. And, and how well they understand the Internet and ultimately the Internet threats that, that we're all facing. So it, it really comes down to treating them. You have to treat them differently, but, but know that there are certain things like education that, that both types of users are going to require. And how should institutions go about delineating their authentication upgrade plans for commercial versus retail accounts? Well, the good news is... The guidance itself does provide a, a couple of, of points in, in helping uh, you know, financial institutions delineate what they should do for retail accounts versus what they should do for commercial accounts. So they should look, look there first uh, uh, at the guidance, and you'll see things like uh, for, mer- for commercial accounts who have tiered authority, you have to have different and unique authentication methods for those who can give authority to, to view an account, uh, which retail you know, accounts don't really have to deal with. So it's, there's some components of the guidance itself that specifically speak to how to delineate what you need to do for those accounts. And then, you know, sometimes we tend to overlook the most obvious. Um, when it comes to commercial accounts, for instance, the volume um, and the size of transactions, of course, is just so much larger than what you would see on the retail side of things. How does that volume make certain authentication practices, I guess, maybe less reliable or perhaps um, less effective when it comes to comparing those that you might apply to a retail account? Well, I, I don't know if I would say less reliable and less effective. I think any... Uh, process where you're authenticating somebody is, is going to, to be good. The, the problem is, is that process gets repetitive. If we, if we always have to, you know, put in the password or, you know, supply the token for, for every check that goes out for business, it, it's going to be significantly monotonous and the user might feel, okay, this, this is beyond what uh, is really providing me, you know, some, some level of protection. And bad guys can then figure out how to hide within that volume. So in looking at, at those types of things, there has to be some rules around that. You know, in giving some options to the, the small business, hey, challenge me when I have transactions more than X number of dollars, 
or over X number of transactions within a, a time period can certainly help break up that monotonous kind of kind of process. And Christopher, what recommendations can you offer institutions when it comes to weighing differing vendor options? Yeah, well, I've had the opportunity to examine, you know, dozens if not hundreds of, of you know, solutions from, from different vendors. And there's a couple of things that I look for. First is, do they have expertise in your business? If we're talking about financial institution, uh, you know, services, does the, that security vendor or does that vendor really understand financial services in addition to having really good, you know, and solid technologies? Number two is look for, for vendors who uh, have been able to grow with the times. The threat landscape is always changing. There's going to be, there's going to be new guidance. Are they, are they ahead of the curve or are they reacting just like everybody else? So look for, for those vendors who, who are a bit more proactive about, about their approach and their stance and, and what they say within the market. And how can institutions ensure that they're investing in the right types of technologies for now and into the future? That's a great question, one that, that uh, many struggle with, including myself, in, in terms of what is going to be appropriate for, for your institution. Um, the risk assessment is different. Your customer base is different. The, the types of accounts you may be offering are different. So you have to look at the vendors and the investments that you're making in the same way. Are, are they meeting the risk that you've identified in, in your assessments? And if so, you know, are, are those solutions continuing to improve at the same time that you're continually you know, reassessing the, the risk you know, to your users and your accounts? And if, and if that's the, a correct solution for you, then by all means, you, you should, should look at it. One of the things that I, I point people to is to make sure that they have a variety of solutions, uh, you know, because that's what's going to confuse and confound the, the, the fraudsters more than anything else, is not you know, labeling or pinning down all your accounts with the, with the same type of solution. Make it difficult. You know, make mass attacks ineffective because you have more than one solution available. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Christopher, talking about different types of solutions, because I did want to ask about out-of-band authentication and how it might be applied in different ways to retail accounts versus commercial accounts. Well, out-of-band is a, is a, is a, a, a great process and, and, and a solution to, to be thinking about because most of the attacks that we've seen so far really are dependent upon, you know, getting on the user's machine and, and utilizing that user's machine as if they were the user. So out of band takes us off of that and, and gives us a different channel that hasn't been as compromised as, as the, the PC has been. Now, the, the difference between commercial and retail is really going to come down to the sophistication of the user. See, we can expect more from, from businesses than we could the general population. So in looking at out-of-band solutions, we need to look at those solutions that make it easy for the general population to use. There's certainly, there's certainly some very sophisticated authentication techniques that can be done, you know, from a smartphone. But I can't, uh, you know, even with the proliferation of smartphones and, and the growing popularity of these devices, there's still a great number of, of folks out there running the regular, normal, run-of-the-mill, you know, dial-up cell phone 
where some of the smartphone authentication techniques are, are not appropriate yet. But businesses, however, are already on the smartphone bandwagon with the Blackberries and, and the, you know, the Androids and so on. So you can, again, expect more from them, but you need to provide them the training that they need. And then what are some of the challenges, I guess, that retail accounts face that don't necessarily affect commercial accounts, or are there any? Um, I don't know if there's any, you know, challenges per se that that um, retail has in, that's different than commercial accounts, other than the fact that you're dealing with a, a larger volume of, of users, and uh, and the sophistication of that user, you know, certainly is you know important to consider um, how well they understand the, the the process, and this is why the guidance or supplemental guidance is really, you know, pushed. You know, education programs as a, a process that is, you know, going to be a requirement. It's going to be necessary to to be compliant. And then, Christopher, what about the opposite scenario? What challenges do you see facing commercial accounts that don't face retail? Well, that's where it gets interesting because you know the fact that small businesses and banks are are considered on equal footing. The small businesses don't have the consumer protections that the the, the retail accounts have. And the small business can delegate access to their accounts to, to folks that may be completely unknown to the financial institution. I can be an employee and access a, a corporate account without ever even having an account, a personal account at that particular bank. So there's, there's, there's certainly not confusion, but there's a lot of, of consideration as a, as a bank is looking at how do they implement the, their security posture and process for a business as compared to a, a retail uh, you know, person because of that ambiguity or, or the inability to know exactly who is accessing the account. And then when it comes to overall security and making investments in technology for fraud prevention, how can institutions balance the two? How can they ensure that they're investing in technology that makes sense without having costs go out the roof? Well, that's certainly been a question that a lot of businesses or financial institutions are having to tackle. And I have a unique perspective on that. Don't consider the security investment that you're making a cost of doing business, but as a a solution that will allow you to grow your business. Look, look for solutions that uh, have strong ease of use, that, that can be deployed uh, easily, but still provide the security that you're looking for, and put it into a program where you're you know, providing some differentiation to, to your financial institution and gaining customer base, retaining the customer base that you have, growing the business, so it becomes less uh, an investment in, in a cost and more an investment into, you know, you know, making your members and customers more profitable. And before we close, Christopher, what final thoughts would you like to share with our audience? Well, in general, I think we, we start the way we started the conversation this morning, which is get started now. You know, look at, at your best practices, find layers that you can add additional security components to. And and take and add something, put something in, 
and and make sure that the technology that you're putting in is something that's going to differentiate your your financial institution from somebody else. In fact, Javelin did a, a study recently that showed that uh, a good majority, half of the, of the customers surveyed, were looking at uh, security technologies, particularly authentication or robust authentication, as uh, critical factors to deciding whether they would, you know, open an account at a at a financial institution. So take that into account. Share what you're what you're doing, you know, within reason and and market. Uh, security as a differentiator. Christopher, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Christopher Beyer, a financial services and online information security consultant. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kim. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.BankInfoSecurity.com.